Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Don't forget this man. He has plenty to do with the terrifying mystery that causes this glamorous woman to risk her life and reputation in a reckless experiment. A woman who, because of her consuming love for this man, gambles everything to unlock the fearful secret in his heart. What insidious meaning did he read into the markings on a tablecloth? Why, even when he held his sweetheart in his arms, did he gaze in fear at the dark lines of her robe? These are some of the clues in the motion picture which bears Hollywood's most distinguished mark of quality. We told you not to forget this man. He is Alfred Hitchcock, the famous director whom you are not likely to forget after you see Spellbound. G'day everybody and welcome to another episode of Awards Don't Matter. Uh, my name is Andrew Pierce and yeah, uh, we're going to be chatting about some films <laughs> and <stuff>. And yeah, <laughs> and I'm your co-host Dave. I'm just going to fill that in for you. I feel like you're having a little, a little trouble, so I'm just going to jump in. Behind the scenes stuff here, usually we record this first thing in the morning. Like, for my first thing in the morning, yeah. it's now first thing in the morning for Dave, and so yeah. it's now last thing in the evening for me. And Welcome my brain... to my world, sir. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is working, but I've had a whole day of doing not much, so... <laughs> uh, let's try right. to get you going, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. like a, the crank. Um, yes. We are going to be talking about Alfred Hitchcock's last film to be nominated for Best Picture today, which mm-hmm. is Spellbound. And Dave, I want to open with the question, why the fuck did Spellbound get nominated for Best Picture and it's the last time that Alfred Hitchcock get nom- got nominated uh, was, for Best Picture? I was, I was really hoping you would tell me the answer to that question. <laughs> so, uh, you are the reason we were watching this movie, because like, I was like, well, we could watch, you know, I haven't watched this Hitchcock movie, or we could watch Mildred Pierce, one of the greatest movies ever made, and it was like, oh, you haven't seen Spellbound? That's one of my favorites. So we're going to watch that. I was like, okay. With the caveat, um, I haven't seen this in 20 years. 20 years. Okay. So here's why it should it should win an Oscar, let alone be nominated. Because it has a line reading of someone amorously saying liverwurst. Liverwurst. And it somehow works. There's no way that should work, Andrew. And if anything tells me that this is a piece of film br- brilliance, it is that. Yeah. For sure. And only she... Only she could give that line reading and make it work. Uh, Ingrid Bergman, obviously we've talked about how wonderful she is. Um, you know, Casablanca and Gaslight also here. She's It's a great, great, great performance. But, like, that's all I have in my head when I think about this movie. It's Leverwurst. She's just is, so in love. <laughs> it is the most romantic enunciation of the word. Like, it is seriously. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I want to. Right, so I'm going to start off the discussion talking about the opening of this particular film. The fault is not in our stars, but in ourselves. 
William Shakespeare. That's that's one of the opening moments. Really setting the bar high, though. Yeah. Like, like, let's pump the brakes. And then he says, our story deals with psychoanalysis, the method by which modern science treats the emotional problems of the sane. The analyst seeks only to induce the patient to talk about his hidden problems to open the locked doors of his mind. Once the complexes that have been disturbing the patient are uncovered and interpreted, the illness and confusion disappear, and the devils of unreason are driven from the human soul. Wow, it's very um, yes. exciting. Yeah, God, that's a lot. How so, did, watching this and reading that, how did you, what, what did you expect going into this film? All right, so this is actually the point I was just going to bring up. This is the reason when you hear these big names of directors you should go to the trouble of watching them because they are not they're usually not what you expect you hear hitchcock right you think mm. psycho rear window like little bits of comedy maybe but like very serious thriller stuff and like high level work and it's uh, it's homework i gotta sit down and watch alfred hitchcock this guy's a fucking goof like this <laughs> whole movie it's it's like over the top like I like. I want to. I want to preface all this by saying I do like this movie a great deal. I don't think it's anywhere near his best work. Oh, no. I'm not sure it should have been nominated for an Oscar. It is very silly, um, and there's like there's a lot of jokes in this movie. I was just like, what What am I watching right now? And it, it, it's extra funny when you talk about that introduction that is so deadly serious and talking about psychoanalysis and quoting Shakespeare and like, oh my god, and then like. The whole first third of the movie is like, ah, this lady needs to get laid. Like, that's the whole, <laughs> the first 25 minutes, that's all it is. And I'm like, what am I getting into? Like, that is not what I expected here. Because I knew it was a movie that was about psychiatry. I knew it was a Hitchcock movie. I knew it was like Ingrid Bergman and Gregory Peck. Okay, very serious actors. And it is totally unexpected and like kind of wonderful. Like mm. I, it was su- such an enjoyable experience, especially after watching The Lost Weekend, which I, I thought The Lost Weekend was going to be like this, given who directed it and the name. And so I'm glad I got I got this, right? I, yeah. Of course, we've talked at length about how much I love Mildred Pierce, but like also that's a movie that's been talked about right like it's like we all know it's a you know a titan of cinema and one of the greatest things blah, blah 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 this is like it's definitely like quote unquote lower tier hitchcock it's not rebecca it's not suspicion i'm kidding uh it's it's, it's, it's not psycho it's not your window it's not vertigo like all this stuff but it's like it's it's just a really enjoyable movie it's fun and funny and i yeah. was not expecting i I I mean it's yeah it's been twenty years since I last watched it. Um, pretty much around the same time twenty years ago I watched this film, and I I think that my memory of it back then was I really enjoyed it back then, and I don't love it as much now. It's still mm. a good film, but I don't love it as much. Maybe because I have sat so much with the great films of Hitchcock, and looking at the five films that he was nominated for best director: Rebecca, Lifeboat. He's got nominated for Best Director for Lifeboat, Spellbound, Rear Window, and Psycho. And that's what kind of does my head in. is like, well, if he was nominated yeah. for best, best Director for Rear Window and Psycho, why weren't either of those films nominated for Best Picture? They saw it, obviously. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah right. right <laughs> superior right, right. films than these. You know, it's just like, 
I, I find this really interesting film because the thing that stuck in my mind the most was the Dali sequences, the oh, Salvador Dali dream well, sequences. Stunning. And they are stunning, but they only make up for about 90 seconds of the film itself. And my memory was that it was actually a lot longer. I, I remember it being a huge sequence, oh. like this huge set piece. And then... Oh, it's, no. it's basically transitions. Like, that's all, that's all it is. It's, it's transitions into memory. Like, it's just like, oh, now I saw this refracted weirdness. Now I remember what was going on. Like, yeah. it's... I I have something that maybe maybe a quote-unquote hot take. Ooh, oh, dear. Um, I don't... <laughs> think that Gregory Peck is any good in this movie at all. Oh, I think no, he's, he's not. He's terrible. He's he's really bad. Like, especially next to Ingrid Bergman, who is saying crazy things, saying nonsense things, but not just the liverwurst, but that too. Um, but it's so convincing and so heartfelt. And he is just, like, so stunted. And, and you know, the, the height and the deep voice do not help this. But I'm just like, man, shut up. Nobody, nobody cares about you. We're not here for you. Just stop. And it's just, it's not, it's not a performance that is really, it, mm, how can I, I can't say this nicely. It feels like a lifetime movie type performance. Like, oh, and then this crazy thing happened and look at this man who is completely changed. And it's like, but it's not a good performance of that. And no. Hitchcock has an ability to have this type of story. He does do ridiculous stuff in his thrillers. I mean, look at Psycho. Mm. That I mean, there's a man dressing up as his dead mother to murder people. If anything's ever been a lifetime movie of the week, it's the plot of Psycho. Yeah, <laughs> but that works because that performance is one for the ages. This performance by Gregory Peck as quote unquote Doctor Anthony Edwards, um, which just makes me think of Goose from Top Gun. Anthony Edwards—that's the only thing that jumps in my head. Yeah, um, yeah, it's sitting right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just—it's just not good. Like, yeah. no part is good, whether you think he's this doctor or this this man who's had this break. Like, none of the performance is good. And that is, that's really depressing, because, like, the rest of the movie is very well performed. And I don't know that it's, like, super well written, but it's fun, right? It is, it's not designed to be subtle in any way. It is supposed to be over the top and in your face. But his performance really hinders this movie a lot. Yeah, and so this was his fourth performance, and I think the key thing is, and I'm curious to see when, when we get to A Gentleman's Agreement, which won Best Picture, and seeing what his performance is like there, because that's only a few years later, but mm-hmm. I think the key thing is with this is that there's no real hint of the greatness that would come with Gregory Peck as an actor. Yeah, no, it's like, a great actor, Yeah, like, and that's what was so shocking when I watched this. I was like, what... It would be watching like a, you know, finding a lost Daniel Day-Lewis performance and he's like legitimately bad. You're like, what happened? Who got a hold of Gregory Peck? It was like, look, motherfucker, you got to shape up or ship out. Because like this was, I mean, it's a rough, rough, rough performance. Yeah. I think one of the things which I find really interesting, and I guess we should probably give a bit of a a synopsis of the plot where Bergman plays a uh, doctor in a, a psychiatric facility and there is a new doctor who is coming along that to replace one of the guys that's leaving. And Especially the guy who's like the head of the program, yeah. right? Like he's the boss, right? Yeah. yeah. And this really highlights how much of a different era this was in because effectively they just, you know, sent this dude a letter and had a chat with him over the phone and were like, yeah, no worries. Come on in, buddy. Yeah, Come yeah. on in. No, take you're not take calling this high-level job. <laughs> No references, no in-person interview. 
come on down, buddy. You yeah. you got the qualifications. And then when Peck appears as John Ballantyne, uh, is is his real name. Uh, Doctor Anthony Edwards is the name that he assumes and and thinks that he is. And it's pretty obvious that he's not that dude straight away. Like he's not that guy. And yet the whole entire film is then set upon this trajectory of finding out who he is and it's this tale of amnesia and and one of the things which i've found around some of the best picture nominees that we've watched is like like random harvest for example this Mm. deals with amnesia a little bit better than random harvest does where they're just like you know (laughs) so much could have been yeah (laughs) so much could have been dealt with better in that film um but (laughs) I, i find the interesting aspect of um amnesia and the allure of amnesia throughout the 1940s and 50s so kind of perplexing mm. because it is this there's nothing of characters that are you can't construct a character out of this because the character doesn't even know himself they don't know mm. who they are and so therefore all that we get to know is that they don't know anything about themselves and so they become a blank slate and right. Peck while he's a good actor he's not able to live that history that Ballantyne has underneath the surface, deep underneath the surface of the character who doesn't know who he is. And that, I think, is, to me, that at least makes what a great amnesiac performance should be, is that Mm. the person still exists there. They are there, but they just don't know it. Mm. And the downside is I can't can't think of any uh, particular performances off the top of my head that are like, you know, textbook examples of this, but that's what I kind of expected from something like this, but it's just Mm. not there. And so he is very weak. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, I was just like racking my brain trying to think of like good amnesia movies. There's a lot of Mm. bad ones. Um, you know, some of like, you know, like, uh, regarding Henry, not great. Um, there's, there's a lot of these where they're just like, well, that's a version where like, you know, you've seen what the character was like before, and then you, you know, you erase all that and you find out what it means to be human and how it's going to be different. And that rarely ever works. The only, the only memory loss movie I really like that jumps in my head is Memento. Yeah. Um, which is a great, great, great lead performance. Um, but like most of them, like it's, it's an old trope. Like we've done this a lot. I guess Vanilla Sky, if you like that movie, there's, there's some stuff to be done there. Um, but, like, you know, it's a lot of silly stuff when it comes to amnesia, which I think is why back back then this was done a lot. Because you could do a lot of fun stuff. You could do, you know, you could introduce this character to things that everyone's done before. Like, you know, eating a picnic of the liverwurst sandwich. You could you could do that. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of silliness. It makes me think there's a there's like a joke running around Twitter, like uh, probably about a year ago now, where it was like, you know, uh, looking back on my childhood, I really thought that quicksand was going to be a much bigger yeah. problem <laughs> than it was, right? And the same thing with like amnesia, like you just heard about like, oh, yeah, you get knocked in the head and all oh, your memory is gone and you have to start over from nothing. Like this happens in a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies because it makes for compelling immediate drama, right? Um, but it also provides a lot of silliness yeah. um and, and i think that's what you get here is this movie it's just like and i'm shocked to say this about hitchcock it's just mainly it's mainly silly like most of this movie is just silly nonsense and then they try and god bless hitchcock but he tries to like weave in some real stakes and real danger and to me it falls flat a little bit because the rest of them like i was wish he really dove in like make this a full-on comedy 
Mm. Like, just really go for it. Really go for the liverwurst moments here and have a good time. Okay, I want to touch on that for a second in a moment, but I think one of the aspects about amnesia that isn't really, like, it's not something that can be used nowadays, especially because it has become such a serious uh, aspect and element of the Fast and Furious films. Like, it is Mm -hmm. so, and it's dealt with in such a, like, a straight-faced manner that becomes so comical in that film with... Uh, I think it's fast forward with Letty having the amnesia and it's just like, it's so oh, absurd, stupid. so of this, over the top, so stupid that you can't help but laugh. And you kind of wish that that, I agree that that level of comedy was brought to this, but I question whether it would even be done in a respectful or tactful manner in the <laughs> 1940s. Yeah. It wouldn't even be done respectfully now. If you yeah, this is true. <laughs> Honestly, the only time amnesia movies worked for me other than Memento are like, action movies uh you know you got like the jason bourne franchise you've got like the long kiss good night yeah, long kiss good like night, that yeah. that stuff really really works for me because it's over the top already like i am not looking for gritty realism out of the long kiss good night like that's not that's not necessary so you know and it becomes like as things start to come back it becomes empowering as opposed to victimizing. Um, so that stuff really works, but like, it uh, doesn't work here. And also like the, the memory returning, is it just me or does it seem a little too easy? Oh, of course it is. Like, she's like, she's like, Hey, just think hard. Try remembering. Let your mind go back to your childhood. Was it happy? Whom did you know in your childhood? I'm haunted, but I, I can't see by what. It's no use. You lived somewhere. You had a mother. You were loved. You had friends. Yes. Probably a wife. Can you remember her? Oh, I didn't say I had one. I said I probably had. No, darling. Thank heaven I can't remember a wife. I would like to ask you a medical question. Constance... Would you mind not prodding me? It it mixes me up. I I can't remember anything. Except that I love you. How would you diagnose a pain in the right upper quadrant? A pain that is persistent? Oh, uh, gallbladder, possibly a heart case, and pneumonia. Depending on the patient's history. It's obvious you're a doctor. Yes. The eminent Dr. X. And if we can unlock one tiny memory... He'll give us a key to the others. No. I'm going to poke you in the head and, like, you'll remember. Look at oh, lines. Look at, Dolly. Yeah, yeah. Look at oh, all these lines. Oh, yeah. I remember everything. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And, and also, like, the, it's so obvious that he's not who he says he is from the beginning that these realizations don't really hit home and feel impactful at all. They're like, oh, I guess that's the story we're telling? Okay, sure, why not? And and there are moments where I have to, like, bring myself back to it and, like, not tune out from the nonsense. Because you're like, if you don't care about Gregory Peck's character here, which I don't, uh, I don't think it's, not that it's impossible. I'm sure there are people that will watch this movie and, and care about his character. But I think it's effortful. Mm. Like, I think you really have to try. Um, so, like, when these things come to light, it's like, other than, like, rooting for her because she loves him for whatever reason just because because he's a nice man who gave her a sandwich i um which i I get actually i I have an idea about it like i I have an understanding about because 
you know, in this, and I don't know if this is a conscious decision from Hitchcock or not. The screenplay is by um, Ben Hecht and Angus McPhail as well. So should point them out. And it's based on a book. Name is McPhail. McPhail. M-A-C-P-H-I-L. McPhail. McPhail. That sounds like an insult. That's like... <laughs> Continue. Go ahead. Angus McPhail. Yeah. Uh, based on a book, uh, House of Dr. Edwards. And... One of the things which I I don't know if it's a conscious aspect of any of these creative people at all, but it the film really pointedly highlights the level of misogyny that she yeah. suffers and endures. And to yeah. me, that's the reason why she looks at him and says, yeah, you're a nice hey, guy. You. You're you, a guy and you're not an actual monster. You made me. me a sandwich. I that's love nice. you. <laughs> this is like actually this is a really good um illustration of like and i've made this joke to my female friends before like do you know how easy it is to be quote unquote one of the good ones like you just have to like yeah have the like radical idea that like you're not lesser than me and also i shouldn't assault you that's it that's all you need to do to be a good man in 2021 is like just not be an actual monster. And this is actually a really good illustration of this because everyone talks out of the side of her mouth, side of their mouths at this woman, like with impunity, like just like, like literally almost literally saying like, man, if she just got some good dick. She'd be all right. Like, that's all you need. You ice queen. Like, it's like, what is wrong with you people? Like, this is your coworker. What are you? But what the, are you doing right now? The thing I find really interesting is the way that Hitchcock uses this misogyny to um, basically villain, like create the villain in the particular film, the narrative. Who uh, Leo G. Carroll plays Doctor Murchison, who is so like he doesn't have a mustache in this, but you could feel it like just twirling well. on the screen there. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that you can feel that he's using that that nastiness and the misogyny directed towards uh, Constance in a manner that is like, see, look how terrible this person is. But then the downside is that all the other men that are around him are like, yeah, he's right. He's right. You know, and <laughs> right. they're all on his side. And so it, it only just further highlights how terrible all of these people are. And it feels like a very, you know, real kind of um, thing because it is something that, you know, yeah. women have to endure through workplaces and it's something yeah. that people I, have to live I with. I 100% think that that was a purposeful choice okay, from Hitchcock. Like, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Hitchcock made a lot of choices that come across that aren't purposeful. Like it's he's true. very, he's very, he's very specific director. He makes very specific choices. And, and this is so overwhelming that there's almost no way that that was not purposefully done. Mm. Um so yeah, and I and I think that's one of the things that really really works and I think her performance is really good as always, no surprise here. Oh yeah. Um but the way you see her and this is not an easy thing to do. The way you watch her endure. Um cuz she does most of it without a bunch of dialogue. There's not a lot of like I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to tell you men what's what. Mm. It's like just the slight like adjusting of her glasses and the the averting her gaze like there's so many little acting moments uh that she chooses to use here that really show how much she's being beaten down mm. at her job on an everyday basis and it's like it's not a like one giant moment that like, oh, this guy said this one terrible thing and now I can't get past it. It's like, no, it's the everyday. It's the chipping away at my self-confidence and all of this that that slowly get to her, which is why when 
Gregory Peck shows up and he's nice and kind and giving and respects her opinion. And is Gregory Peck attractive, good-looking man? He's got a great voice. He's tall. He's got all these things going for him. So you understand why she's drawn to him, especially with these other trolls and monsters that mm. she works with. Yeah, but I guess at the end of it, it's, you know, the end of it, I guess, is like saying the only way to be a good guy is just to have your head knocked in and so you can't remember who you are as a person. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And that's that's like... Okay. <laughs> pretty dark. Pretty dark it's pretty there. Pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's I and that's a choice maybe that I don't think he was making purposely. This I don't think Hitchcock was a like all men are are monsters type guy. Uh but I think it really works for the the drama of the film, right? Yeah. To to know that like okay, now now what? Yeah, right? exactly. Like, He's quote-unquote changed, but, like, where does that leave us at the end of this? Where does this leave our main character? It's, you know, she's had, she had a run there of a couple of years of being these women who are in pretty bad circumstances. Oh, yeah. To go from gaslight to this is, like, not actually that much of an improvement. Like, it's you're still in a but, bad scene, man. But that's the thing, is that, like, she gets these terrible, these characters that have to suffer, endure terrible things, and yet he gets this role into his fourth role as like this, the hero of the piece. Mm -hmm. And I find that really interesting, but on the same hand, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at the clock and it's like 20 minutes that we've been discussing this film. I'm kind of like, in regards to Hitchcock films, I feel that this is very light and very, very slight. And I don't find, and, and this is why I was a bit disappointed because I kept on expecting this daily sequence. I'm like, yeah, I remember this daily sequence. I remember it. And it's like, it's fleeting and it's wasted and it yeah. becomes a little mm-hmm. bit pointless and it looks great. Don't get me wrong, but it's of just course, like, yeah. it feels like the only reason this film exists and that's a disappointment. And right. so right. while I appreciated the viewing and I'm glad that I rewatched it, like when I rewatch Hitchcock's films over and over and over again. This is not one that I feel that I'll be revisiting again in the future. Right. Right. Um, so, and that's so fine. I, have, I have a couple questions. One, one's not a question. One's just a statement. Like see Andrew Mildred Pierce. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Exactly. That my second question is like, okay, so you remember the Dolly sequences being longer and being more impactful. And that's one thing, but what else has changed? Cause when you, when you saw this originally, two decades ago uh you thought like this is great i really enjoyed this movie so do you think you missed something on the first viewing or do you think you've changed as a viewer like what's different i've changed as a viewer i've grown as a viewer i've learned to appreciate and understand the complexity of narratives a little bit more I appreciate the complexities of um when misogyny is being presented on screen and mm-hmm. in in a really nasty toxic way and you know I think this is the thing is that for younger viewers, you know, I was 17 at the time, I think 16, 17 at the time when I first watched it. It's like, it's easy to kind of get swept up in that. And it was around the same kind of era that I was watching Fight Club over and over again, like every mm-hmm. teenage boy would at that time, where it's like, oh, look at this film. It's all, you know, you know, bravado and macho and all, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, that's what it means to be a man. And then you watch something like this and it's like, yeah. Fine, no worries. And I, I honestly can't remember if that's my takeaway from the film or not. Right. But I've grown as a person 
since then, because I recognize, no, these are not good people at all. Like, right. they're not right. people that you want to be. And I think that's the key thing is over time learning what to take away from films, learning to understand about society, listening. The key thing is listening mm-hmm. and taking right. on board. Oh, okay, these things aren't helpful, you know. Listening to what women have to say about working in a situation like this and you go, all right, well, how can I be a better colleague for the women that I work with? Mm-hmm. How can I be a better partner for the woman that I live with or my mm-hmm. sister or my mom, you know, those kinds of things. And that's what you do as a person. You grow over time and you learn mm-hmm. and you take away these things. And that's what I've learned and grown from, you know, watching Hitchcock films for right. literally all of my entire life have grown and watched them and being like, you know, there is no greater figure in, in cinema than Hitchcock who has a complex relationship with the women on screen. He is, right. you know, he did terrible things to some of the women to get the performances and the films that he did. And that's a complex relationship in itself. And, and it's a conversation that we have with ourselves and we will have in the future when we talk about, you know, somebody like Woody Allen, for example. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a case of what we do as people who watch films and enjoy films and discuss them. How do we properly discuss those films? How do we properly engage with them in a right. polite uh, respectful manner and right. not only I mean polite and respectful sounds uh, humdrum but it is being respectful you know how do we become and be respectful people when discussing films when exploring mm-hmm. cinema when being people living day to day lives that's yeah. what's changed yeah and I yeah, that's no that, that makes perfect sense and this is what really disappointed me about this movie is when I think of Hitchcock you brought up the word complexity uh, and having a complex relationship with it. And that's what I think of when I think of Hitchcock movies is that they're not simple. They're not straightforward. There's some goofiness in some of his movies, but that's usually not the focus. And like, you you know, you look, I mean, we talked about Rebecca on this show. I mean, talk about a complex narrative. I mean, there's a lot there. Same thing with Psycho and Psycho. Actually, I was shocked at how well Psycho dealt with mental illness when I watched it for the first time. Like, Granted, it's, there's some things in there that are dated, for sure, but there's like a whole wrap-up section in that movie where they're kind of talking about why he has done what he did. And most of it, I was like, you know what? That's for the time. That's pretty good. That's pretty progressive the way they're looking at this. Um, and, you know, things obviously things like Rear Window and Vertigo, all very complex narratives, and there's a lot going on, and there's a lot to read into. And then I watched this, and I'm like, this fucking nonsense got nominated for an Oscar. Like out of all the great movies that he did, and there are many, 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 this maybe is the simplest film that I've seen of his. Like, it's just, it's so, it's kind of trite. It's rudimentary. Like, it kind of, it's and rudimentary. so silly, especially as we talked about, given that introduction with the big quotes and talking about, Oh, psychoanalysis and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, it's very silly. Like, and not in a fun way, necessarily, in a way where you're almost like, there could be something here with this lead performance. And eh, I feel like we are, we are, you know, not living up to her. Yeah. um, To her performance here. It would be like if Gaslight was like really simple and rudimentary. And it's like, thank God that wasn't. Um, But this is, this is a rough one. And it's not a bad movie because I don't think, no, I don't think Hitchcock can make a bad movie i don't think he made a single bad movie but for him this is a bad movie right when you 
when you compare it to everything else he did, everyone else, this is like a three or four star movie. It's fine. It's good. Have a good time. But for him, you're like, I was just expecting a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Like especially, really good. especially because of what's come before it and what's come after it. You look at it and it's like, it would be different if this came early in his career. Whereas this is like after Rebecca and you're like, it's after Strangers yeah. on a Train and you're like, oh, you know, yeah. anyway. Yeah, because he, he can make, he can make silly movies that are good. Oh yeah. North Trouble North with West. Harry. Very and, silly. Trouble with Harry. Absolutely. And those, But there's still complexity to it and still interesting. And this is just like, I don't know that he was trying to make a silly movie, but he still kind of did. Yeah. Like, this feels like unintentional comedy. Exactly. Do you have anything else you want to say about Spellbound? No, I'm just mad at you because I could have yeah, I could have been talking about Mildred Pierce, you son of a bitch. But instead, we're talking about Spellbound. This I'll, is give you, I'll give you a win for the next the next one. Uh, we're talking about best years of our lives. All right, oh, man, is... you want to hear me mad on a podcast? You're about to fucking hear it. This is... Because this is the, the biggest mistake that the Academy ever made. What did it beat? It beat one of the greatest films ever, ever made. It's a Wonderful Life. And is and that's the film that we're going to be discussing in the extra one. So I give you a bone. You know, you throw okay. me a bone, Good. I throw you a bone. Yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna watch the Yearling about a a child who takes care of a troublesome deer that gets killed gonna... at the end. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's 1940s cinema. I know that that deer is getting murdered. Yeah, I know where this is headed. This is old yeller with a deer. I know where we're going. <laughs> Aura shoots flag with a double-barreled shotgun, discharging, discharging <laughs> one of the barrels, but only wounding the deer. Penny oh, orders no. Jody to put... Jody, who's the kid who grows up with the deer, put the deer out of its torment. Rather than oh let the de- pet deer suffer an agonizing death, he follows his father's orders and kills flag with the remaining shell. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. I saw that as a kid. Know. No kid should have to watch that film. And that film has Jane Wyman in it. Maybe that's why it sticks in her. She sticks in my mind so much. She's... All right. All right. <laughs> well, now I got to watch it. I got to deal with this nonsense. Thanks, Academy. Good, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to talk about another fucking war movie because this is, I don't know, this is what we do. The uh, best by, years of our lives. By the director of Mrs. Minow. Oh, God. Oh. Fucking. Here we go again. Is there? I have, there better not be a priest saying like it's our fight at home. Like I just, uh, I cannot deal with this. What a hack that guy is. Like, like, like Sandin and Hourglass, Dave. These oh. are the best years of our lives. That um, is not. That is not the phrasing. This is. Those are the days of our lives. I watch that. <laughs> Where can people find you online? Uh, you can follow me follow me on Twitter at darn that Dave and get to tell me you can tell me why war is good actually uh, come come tell me that because the films like going my way when um and you can fo- follow me on uh, the curve AU and also uh, together awards don't pod on Twitter um yeah and we'll see you on the next episode where we discuss the epic war film the best years of our lives go watch Mildred Pierce instead go yeah. watch that yeah. Exactly. You know, Brief Encounter was nominated for Best Director. Or Brief Encounter. David Lean was nominated for, not even nominated for Best Picture. Instead, they nominated The Yearling. Ugh, good. Where Jane Wyman murders a deer. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely how that happened. <laughs> oh, isn't this beautiful? Perfect. 
Oh, lunch, lunch. What do you have? Ham or liverwurst? Hmm? Liverwurst. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary.